Hello and welcome to Transition to Hope, Episode 9, Adam and Eve, Part 2 of a two-part series. I'm Dr. Albert Spaulding. So in our last episode, Episode 8, Adam and Eve, Part 1, we talked about Adam and Eve. We talked about the creation story and the, and the reality of creation. And we also talked about just different ways to look at the timeline of Adam and Eve, just different ways to think about the genealogy of Adam and Eve. But really more important than that, to not be distracted about things like timelines and, and uh, genetics and genealogy, when the real story of Adam and Eve is about creation and the fall, the rebellion of Adam and Eve against God, which explains so much about the human experience. In fact, uh, as the Bible tells us, the New Testament tells us, just as sin came in the world through one man, that is Adam, and death through sin, in other words, uh, sin resulted not only in spiritual death, but death proper, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. In fact, that's the human experience. We all sin. We all have, no, no matter what our idea of God is, our idea of God, if it is a robust idea of God, we think of God as being good, and we think of God as being creator. And, we, and if God is our creator, there is an accountability there. But if we don't want that accountability, we want to rebel, we want to decide for ourselves what is right and wrong, that's exactly what is explained by the story of Adam and Eve and the fall. And so we're told in the Bible that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, we are in desperate need of a Messiah, a Redeemer, one who can fix the problem that we created at, in the Garden of Eden with the fall of Adam and Eve. And so the mind that is set on the flesh, in other words, the mind that is horizontal, is hostile to God. Even the mind that, that is, it, it tries to uh, go vertical, if you will, and, and, and create a religion to build oneself, to climb oneself uh, toward God, and to basically put a ladder up and climb the ladder toward God, it just doesn't work. Number one, God is higher than any ladder or any temple or any mountain. But secondly, uh, we, we are flawed human beings. And as soon as we start climbing a ladder or a temple or a mountain in order to reach God, we find ourselves looking uh, back and forth to see, how am I doing with respect to others? And there develops a pride. And, and, and then that pride is a, a, a mind that is set on the flesh. And so the human experience is true of all people. It was true of Adam and Eve, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God. In other words, they didn't acknowledge his authority and abide by his authority as their creator or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. That's true of Adam and Eve. It's true of every human being. It's true of the human experience. And so last time we talked about creation and the fall, we talked about Adam and Eve, we talked about red herrings. You know, red herring is anything that takes us off the task, that distracts us from the fact that the human race is a fallen race and in need of a Messiah, in need of a Savior. At least that's the story of the Bible, creation, fall, a need for a Redeemer, redemption. 
and um, uh, and so that's that's the, that's the story as the Bible presents it. There's another way of thinking about it, which is would be in what we could call an upward fall, which I want to talk about a bit, and then we'll come back around to the idea of the Messiah and the and the real gospel. Okay, well, so far we've been talking about the story of Adam and Eve primarily just uh, from a sort of a believer versus non-believer perspective, recognizing that the story of Adam and Eve is, for a believer, that is someone who believes in God at least, um, is, is an uncomfortable story because it puts us at odds with God and makes us dependent upon God to provide for a Savior or a Messiah, as we, we just covered. Um, but there's another variation of Adam and Eve that instead of thinking of Adam and Eve's rebellion against God by eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, uh, that, that that was a rebellion that put man uh, at, a, at a distance from God. Um, God, man would try to hide himself from God uh, in order to not be accountable to God. Uh, there's another take on that, and the take is that, well, maybe it was a good thing that that Adam and Eve uh, rebelled against God, uh, because maybe it was a good thing that they would know, be able to determine for themselves what good and evil is, and maybe it was a good thing that, that they would be like God. As a matter of fact, maybe that's the whole point of humanity, is to be like God, to become more and more like God, and in fact, that the fall of Adam and Eve was really, if you will, an upward fall. Well, this idea of an upward fall is somewhat unique to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which offers a different theology than the, than the sort of uh, biblical approach to things, um, in, in part because it's an open canon, the, the doctrines of, of, uh, and, and theology of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints uh, emerges from an open canon, and so you not only have the Bible, but you have the Book of Mormon, you have the Doctrine and Covenants, and then you have, and others, you have the Prologate Price, but then you also have all of the various statements at uh, conferences and otherwise by the presidents or prophets of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints over the years. And so you wind up with a considerably different theology anyway than you would from a biblical approach uh, to theology. And so a biblical approach to theology or biblical Christianity is one that um, recognizes the submission of man to God, the need for that, the need for obedience, the need for uh, a savior because we are not, uh, we're not God, we're not capable of reconciling ourselves to God. And so it creates a bigger and bigger idea of God and frankly a smaller and smaller idea of human beings. Uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, on the other hand, actually uh, reduces God to the extent that it makes God more anthropomorphic. Uh, God is, uh, uh, even God the Father is uh, human flesh and bones, is, is made of flesh and bones, and also at the same time exalts human beings to become more and more God-like. And so one approach uh, sort of uh, provides less of me and more of thee. That would be the biblical Christianity approach. Uh, the other approach would be 
less of thee uh, as compared to the biblical articulation of God's omnipresence and omniscience and uh, omnipotence. Uh, less of thee and more of me, more of an exaltation of me. So they're really not the same. And this is something that we took a look at uh, in the series uh, that that went through and reviewed the book, Introducing Christianity to Mormons, the Firesides 1 through 7, uh, that we did here at Transition to Hope. And and so you can go back and look at, look at those uh, Firesides. But the key difference that we want to focus in here today is really centers around this section of Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter 3, uh, verses 4 through 6, where the serpent said to the woman, you, you, will, not sh- you will not surely die. So there is a, uh, a challenging of God's word. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. So there's a challenging of God's motives and the promise that you will be like God and you you will set yourself on the path toward exaltation by eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And that's the real key difference uh, in the theology, in the uh, biblical Christianity, uh, Adam and Eve's uh, sin uh, was worthy of God's wrath. And only by God's mercy did God form uh, animal skins for them and promise them that uh, he would send a a savior to crush the head of the serpent. serpent. On the other hand, uh, the theology of the LDS Church is uh, noticing that that Adam is more godly or godlike. And so it's more of an upward fall. Now, a lot of times this is associated with some particular teachings of Brigham Young called the Adam-God Theory, which has been uh, not overtly denied or abrogated by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and yet it's been quietly uh, set aside and not referred to and, and considered not, not uh, the teaching of today. However, the Adam-God theory, where Brigham Young uh, equated Adam with God and actually considered Adam to be God, uh, is not inconsistent. It's, it's a natural outgrowth of other statements and doctrines that you find in the texts of the LDS Church and even in the more recent statements of the Church uh, uh, general authority. So, for example, in Second Nephi 2, uh, Adam, uh, it says, and now behold, if Adam had not transgressed, he and that's the terminology that's used, that somehow there's a, a difference between a transgression and a sin. Uh, so transgression seems, at least in some ways, to be somewhat less severe than a sin. If he had not transgressed, he would not have fallen, but he would have remained in the garden and then uh, wherefore they would have remained in a state of innocence having no joy for they knew no misery doing no good for they knew no sin it's it's a way of saying well you don't really know how good you had have it until until something bad happens uh, adam fell that men might be and men and men are that they might have joy so the disobedience of adam and eve was a good thing it brought joy and goodness into the lives of Adam and Eve, at least from this understanding of Second Nephi. Russell M. Nelson, currently the president and prophet of the LDS Church, 
made made some interesting comments at one point in conference. He said Eve's wise and courageous choice. So he refers to Eve's disobedience as a wise and courageous choice. And Adam's supporting decision moved God's plan of happiness forward. They made it possible for each of us to come to earth to receive a body and prove that we would choose to stand up for Jesus Christ now just as we did premortally. So uh, whatever pathway to exaltation wouldn't have been possible without Adam and Eve's disobedience and they actually brought happiness. Uh, the wise and courageous choice of, of Eve and Adam's supporting decision brought happiness as in, into the world. Doctrine and Covenants 27.11 uh, uses the expression ancient of days when referring to Michael or Adam. Adam and Michael are interchangeable uh, in, uh, in the Doctrine and Covenants. And that term, ancient of days, is usually associated with God. So once again, we see a godliness attributed to Adam. We also see the same thing, ancient of days, uh, in Doctrine and Covenants 116, uh, verse 1. And even in Joseph Smith's own words, he that is Adam is the father of the human family and presides over the spirits of all men and all that have had the keys must stand before him in this grand council. The son of man, that is Jesus, stands before him. In other words, Christ is somehow subject to Adam and there is given him glory and dominion. Adam delivers up his stewardship to Christ. So, so Christ's authority or his glory is dependent upon Adam. So there's a flipping of the script and uh, Adam is more godlike even than Jesus, at least in this scenario. So the biblical understanding is that there was disobedience in the garden. Uh, this caused a downward fall, uh, just making us worthy of God's wrath and resulting in spiritual death. But in the LDS tradition, it's a transgression, but not really acknowledged as a sin. It re really makes a joy and happiness possible. So it's an upward fall, and it sets us on the path, it sets Latter-day Saints on the path to personal exaltation. So you have, uh, you have the exaltation of God and of Christ in the biblical uh, regime. You have the exaltation of Adam and all of humanity, the, all of those who, who go through the LDS church process um, th through to the celestial kingdom and qualifying for exaltation uh, as the LDS approach. Well, let me wrap up by talking about the gospel. And by gospel, we mean good news. That's actually what the word gospel means. And the good news is that there was bad news, and that bad news was the fall of Adam and Eve and the consequent lingering sinfulness throughout the, uh, the history of humanity, but that there is good news, and the good news is that the problem of the fall can be solved and is solved and has been solved, but not by you and not by me. We can't do enough to earn our way back into the garden or back into relationship with God. We can try. We can try to keep all of the commandments, the covenants, the ordinances that we can, we can find in the Bible or, or make up as we go along or discover elsewhere, but it's not going to work. And so 
The good news is that Christ died for all sinners, that who would believe in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. There's no if statement. There's no conditional statement. There is no but if statement. That's basically it. Whoever believes on him will have eternal life. By believing, that means trusting him, trusting in the work that he did at the cross and at the empty grave. And so our theme, if you want to call it that, here at Transition to Hope is don't give up on God. We know that it is a real challenge for anyone to try to live up to all of the expectations and requirements and covenants and ordinances that are laid out for Latter-day Saints. We know that's really difficult. We also know that there's almost a sense of security to, to think, gee, if I could if I can uh, manage my way through all of these requirements, uh, keep my, my, uh, my temple recommend, do the things that I need to do, fulfill all of my callings, follow the word of wisdom, do everything that's required, I can find my way to the celestial kingdom, I can find my way to a pathway of exaltation. That's just exhausting. And, and, and it's also intellectually um, difficult. I mean, we know that uh, that there are so many questions that LDS folks uh, have that, that, that they, they sometimes try to suppress or ignore or put aside, put on the shelf. And um, those questions keep building up, whether it's about the history of the church, its, 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 its leaders and prophets throughout the years, uh, even the most recent uh, scandals involving uh, uh, deceit, uh, deceiving the SEC and in, uh, in lying about uh, tithing funds and, and investment funds and so on. Just a lot of questions. And we don't treat those questions uh, lightly. We, we think that they're worth addressing. They're worth really thinking through and sorting out uh, soberly. And, and so that's why we make ourselves available to do that. We love doing that. We love just thinking out loud. And uh, we don't have to talk somebody into, into or out of being a, being a Latter-day Saint. That's, that's entirely up to them. But what we do know is that there is just a lot of information out there that needs to be sorted through. And if we can be of some help answering questions, offering some resources, doing what we can to help people figure things out, especially regarding the questions that they have on their shelf. Um, we'd like to see those questions come off the shelf one way or the other, and that's what we'd like to help you do. But there are times when the shelf just breaks, and when the shelf breaks, uh, it collapses. Uh, we know that uh, very often what will happen then is people will, will start to pull away from the church mentally and spiritually, if not physically, but then they tend to, to move into atheism or agnosticism. And we know that's not a good fit. We know that if you, if you have faith, if you have faith in God, even if the God that you have faith in is a God that isn't necessarily consistent at all points with the, with the Bible, still there is a, a, a faith there. There's a reverence there. There's a worship there. There's an awe there. There's a, a, a respect there for God. And to put that all aside and just adopt a, 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 an atheism or a, a agnosticism or a, a level of progressivism that just isn't, isn't a good fit to the heart. Uh, we want to say, don't give up on God. Turn to the Bible. 
uh, and take a look at the very basic Bible. Yes, you can use the King James Version that you're used to. That's just great. Uh, but you might find it helpful to also, side by side, take a look at another, another translation that might be a little easier, a translation from the original languages. Not a translation of a translation of a translation, but a translation directly from the original languages, like the English Standard Version or the New American Standard Bible, or any number of others. And just see what, see what the Holy Spirit would, would do, not to uh, tell you whether or not God is true, but to open up God to you. And so uh, and that, that's our invitation. When you do, when you, when you work your way back to Genesis, you'll find the gospel there. You'll find that uh, the, the, there is a fall. That's kind of part one of the gospel. That God, uh, that God, that God spoke the cosmos and all things in, into existence, and it was good. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and God created man and woman so that they would be in fellowship with Him. They would complement each other, and they would be stewards of His creation. Then the Lord formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And Adam and Eve doubted. God's word and disobeyed him. It was not a fall upward. It was a fall downward. Breaking their relationship with him and bringing a curse upon themselves and upon creation. But now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast in the field. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? He questioned God's word. He added to God's word. He doubted God's word. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the, free, the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Eve added to God's word. And this is the temptation that, that has existed really throughout the history of, of mankind. It's, it, it's to add to God's word. That's what, that's, what, that's what Mormonism does. It takes the Bible and it adds to God's word. Just as Eve, God didn't tell her she couldn't touch it. She added to God's word. Why? Well, maybe just like the covenants and, and ordinances that you find in the LDS church, as you found among the Pharisees when Jesus walked the land, is these extra rules are there to create a buffer zone to keep us from sinning. But eventually, we need a buffer zone from the buffer zone. And then we need a buffer zone for the buffer zone for the, for the buffer zone. And at the end of the day, we have a whole set of rules that we're not even in God's Word. And, uh, and so we've already seen that uh, the serpent in, uh, lied about God's Word, denied God's Word, and then, and then invited Eve to be like God. Uh, and so you will be like God, knowing good and evil. In other words, deciding for yourself that which is good and that which is evil. And that's, that's exaltation right there. And that's, that's what's in the Bible. It's not a big surprise. 
the LDS Church is not the first group to come up with the idea of exalting the personal human being to something godlike. As a matter of fact, atheism does the same thing. Atheism is a form of exaltation, exalting myself above God by denying God. And then finally, the hope. Despite the lingering sinfulness within and among humans, God promises a Satan crusher who will restore the broken relationship with him. Not based on human deeds, but based on the Satan crusher's deeds. But I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So the big idea in Genesis 1-4, to actually, is, first of all, supernaturalism. There is something more than just mater- uh, material uh, uh, nature. That there is, there, is, there is a creator, there is a designer, there is a transcendent God, a God who, who, who really does create, who puts law, law in, the, in our hearts, and he is the source of, good, of understanding what is good and what is evil. And along with supernaturalism, transcendence, that God transcends the universe, is above just that which is material. And God is judge, not man. Man is, man can, we, we can decide uh, for ourselves whether this person is worthy or that person is worthy or not worthy or who is worthy or who is what. But at the end of the day, God is judge. And his word is the, is the standard by which judgment is made. Not a bunch of uh, extra rules that are thrown in for whatever reason, uh, but just his word. And then God is Redeemer. We can't redeem ourselves. We can't earn our way. We can't work our way. We can't do callings to make ourselves uh, worthy for, for God's presence. Jesus is the Redeemer, and we cannot be righteous enough to, uh, to redeem ourselves. So we've gone through just four different topics. We've talked about Adam and Eve. We talked about red herrings. We talked about the unique principle or doctrine of the upward fall that we find in the LDS church and doctrines and we talked about the real gospel and that's where the real hope is and that's where our prayer is in our our willingness to 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 work with you and to be with you as you work through your faith crisis um, and find your way to the real gospel that you would not give up on god thank you this has been transition to hope with your host dr albert spaulding We care deeply about folks who are experiencing a faith crisis or who are trying to help a friend or fellow ward member sort through their shelf of questions. We want to be a positive and helpful resource for you. If you'd like to talk through your doubts, questions, or concerns in a safe and non-threatening dialogue, please reach out to us at our contact page at www.transition.com to hope.org. You can also find show notes for today's podcast and other helpful information at our website. And if you'd care to donate to Transition to Hope, you can do so at the donate button. We'd love it if you would subscribe to our podcast and give us a rating. Meanwhile, we won't try to do your thinking for you, but we'd love to stand with you and be a resource for you as you seek coherent answers to life's big questions. Most of all, we care deeply about your faith journey. We want to help you transition to hope.